There's a new kid in town. Lithium ion rocks. Santiago. We're beginning a new series of new kids in town. At the Fast Markets Conference, I gave a presentation about financing a lithium project. And I basically said that you want to be Wajina. You want to be Kidman. That is, advance a hard rock project or any project, but those uh, value creation has been most prominent in hard rock in the short term. But it is possible to, despite the fact that it may take 12 years from beginning to production, as Albemarle's famous timeline chart shows, uh, Wajina and Kidman show that you can create significant value in uh, two to four years, especially in the case of Kidman. Just imagine being a shareholder in Kidman and just getting cash, right? There's an outcome at uh, 20 times your money in four years, about a 500 million market cap, you know, for people who got there quite early. So anyhow, in the Fast Markets presentation where I basically augmented my last lithium bull, which was entitled Material Girl Like a Virgin, I was suggesting the lithium 3.0 projects would perhaps get better, uh, you know, their lessons learned from capital structures that have been in place. I compared uh, in the Brian space, for example, the very strong capital structure of Aura Cobre and uh, the significantly worse uh, capital structure of Lithium Americas from the perspective of Lithium Americas and Aura Cobre. Um, as I've said before, the capital structure of Lithium Americas um, looks good from Ganfeng's perspective. But Lithium Power is uh, a new kid in town with a clean slate and um, a big takeaway from the my trip, my first ever trip to Santiago a week, is that uh, Chile is uh, definitely open for business. It has a good political um, backdrop. As we visited SQM and uh, Albemarle, we passed by you know Escondida, a giant copper mine. I got a much greater appreciation of the long-term vision of China to have uh, targeted Chile um, as a, a, a critical uh, country, you know, for their needs, both copper and lithium. Um, I'm not so sure that the average citizen in Chile is happy about that. Um, had some discourse about that with uh, some prominent, you know, locals of various generations. Santiago is a gorgeous city. I went on this great hike with. Vivas Kumar, formerly of Tesla, now of Benchmark. Anthony C. of Galaxy. The guys from uh, Energy X and um, the LME. And Evan of Traxxas and the University of Michigan. And more millennials, Alejandro Hess and Ernie Ortiz. No, it's a great day, a great hike in uh, the... The Andes, what a beautiful city. Leaving uh, Santiago feeling upbeat that I would like to uh, visit it again and uh, in particular to uh, you know further examine Lithium Power International, the subject of today's podcast.
For Jane and George, battery packs out there who are looking at uh, lithium power, the ticker symbol on the ASX is LPI. Trades on the OTC ticker symbol LTHHF. The company currently has about 262 million shares outstanding. It's a 25 cent stock in Australia, which equates to about a U.S. 50 million market cap. They have about 15 million U.S. in the bank and some options which are in the money, which if converted would bring, you know, another uh, eight to 10 million dollars. So reasonably well capitalized, considering they are at a DFS level on their flagship Marikunga project. And that 50 million uh, compares to, uh, you know, a number of other projects we, we've seen in, in Argentina with uh, meaningfully higher market caps. And, and there's also Western Australia exploration, uh, one could argue, you get for free, uh, similar to the Albemarle Freebird argument of uh, a podcast or, or two ago. Welcome to Lithium Iron Rocks. It is Monday, the 10th of June. I'm sitting here on the 22nd floor of the world headquarters of Minera Salar Blanca, which is the operating company for the Maracunga Brine Development Project in Chile. We're about to attend the Fast Market's 11th Annual uh, Lithium Conference. I had the opportunity to have a nice dinner with the very significant entourage that uh, Lithium Power has here as a gold sponsor for this conference. We are in Chile. Everybody knows uh, SQM and Tangshi and Albemarle. Uh, both Tangshi and SQM have very significant presence here. In the development um, uh, brine sphere, uh, Argentina has had a lot of focus over the last kind of couple of years, but uh, quietly uh, $50 million has been spent by LPI and its predecessor company, LI3, to advance uh, Maricunga to what is now a definitive feasibility study that they put out in January. We're going to talk a bit in detail about that. I'm also excited to uh, be uh, proximate uh, and in the same company with my partner and co-host Rodney Hooper. We have the four members of Lithium Power and Minara Salar de Blanca with us, including Cristobal Garcia Huidobro, the, the, the CEO of Lithium Power and of Minera Salar Blanca. We have David Hannon, who is the, the chairman of LPI. We have Ricky Fertig, who is the chairman of Monero Salar de Blanca, as well as a director of LPI. And also Richard Crooks, who is uh, my first connection to Lithium Power, having uh, left a very important uh, private equity firm, uh, EMR, after a uh, storied career at Macquarie as, as, as a banker. Anyhow, I've known uh, Richard for quite some time, and um, and, and Rodney has known Ricky Fertig, uh, you know, one of the few other South Africans uh, in the lithium space. Hi, Ricky. Good to see you again. Uh, what I thought we'd first cover is uh, just some of the background and the history of uh, LPI and where you've got to to now and uh, the importance of having a strong local partner in Chile. 
Well, we found the asset some three years ago and uh, literally came here. I came here a couple of weeks after that to meet Martin Bordu, who had control over the Marikunga at that stage, or the, that, that section of the Marikunga that we now control. Um, we've created an exceptionally good relationship with Martin over the years, to the point where he's a personal friend of mine now. Um, he is also a major shareholder within LPI and, and owns a third of the MSB itself. And I think what is important about the relationship is that Martin and Cristobal sit on LPI's board and we sit on MSB's board. So between our partner and ourselves, we control 83% of the Maricunga or Minerale Sala Blanco. Um, I think what's important to understand about Martin, his old, old family, Chile, um, his, his father set up and ultimately sold Scotiabank which, which is now Scotiabank, literally uh, Chile. They're major. Uh, he's a major player in the in the salmon market around the world. I think, to be fair, I think Martin's business is now uh, the third largest or fourth largest salmon producer in the world. And uh, and Martin's been highly thought of in Chile with, and greatly respected. David, uh, why don't you uh, describe how you got involved in, in, in here and, uh, and perhaps you could speak a little bit on, on behalf of you know, Russell, who's not here, just uh, from a, um, the experience that y you and, and Russell bring to uh, taking a company from this size to, you know, in Atlas's case, I think you, you left when it was a, over a $3 billion market cap company. Uh, in terms of LPI, uh, look, the non-executive team, Russell Barwick uh, has a wonderful history in international companies and uh, multi-billion dollar gold companies, Gold Corp, uh, a terrific uh, credentialed fellow. He brings a wealth of experience on the mining engineering side and uh, comes to Chile regularly and works with Cristobal Garcia closely in terms of uh, guiding the team there. Uh, myself, I had some uh, iron ore experience. I was with Atlas Iron for 10 or 11 years there, previous chairman. and. Uh, uh, that's the non-executive team, and we certainly, along with uh, Ricky Fertig, we certainly welcome the team that we uh, have assembled. Uh, you've met them all in this podcast earlier. Uh, it really represents LPI now as a financially sound company. And uh, Cristobal, if you could just give us an update and an, uh, a, a sort of an overview for the listeners about the project itself, you know, the tonnage, the cost, et cetera, and uh, the economic viability. $563 million in CAPEX. Expected annual production of 20,000 tons LCE, uh, less than $4,000 per ton of uh, cash cost, an MPV of around a billion dollars after tax, IRR of around 30%. It's as of today, it's one of the most or the biggest ones in, in South America. Unlike uh, Albemarle and SQM, MSB actually owns its land on the cello, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Something very important. We are the owners of our mining concessions, so basically we are subject to a completely different scheme of royalties, which are much lower effective rate at the end of the day it's going to be not higher than seven percent how welcoming has the government been how keen they are on lithium development in chile we do have a very strict regulation here in, in terms of uh, environmental regulation here in chile it's a very good thing if 
you have the ability to develop the project since the beginning in a very good way, you know, you're not going to have any, any kind of issue. Chile is a country with a very, very high stability, which at the end of the day is what you look for when you are, you know, executing a very long-term investment like a mining, uh, developing a mining project. Uh, the current administration of President Piñera has been doing an amazing job in terms of reactivating the economy, supporting private companies. This is one of the most important projects. They want to see these uh, happenings. Conditions today are probably uh, uh, the best ever here in Chile. And just staying on that uh, thematic, uh, Christabel, how, how has the uh, EIA interaction and feedback been to date? We submitted our EIA by uh, September last year, 2018. An environmental approval process here in Chile can take between 12 to 18 or 24 months. We already are on the final stage of that evaluation process. We just received our second consolidated observations uh, report, and we are expecting to submit our answers by the end of July. And after that, it's a period of resolution for the authorities and we are expecting to have a positive resolution before year-end. It's important to remark that uh, MSB already have his uh, nuclear commission permit, which is very important here in Chile in order to be able to export lithium products from the country. On the CEOL side, we have been working with uh, the government for the last almost 12 months now. We are very close to finalize the structure that to maximize the benefit for all the players here, the state and MSB. MSB is the only project which is on a feasibility stage now. The EPC contractors proposing to go through an optimization process which will decrease our CAPEX on around 7 to 8%, which is a lot of money, it's like 50 million bucks. They have been proposing some fixed uh, price, uh, maximum price guaranteed on the contracts, which is something very good because it, it basically eliminates this uncertainty of what happens if your uh, uh, costs goes up. In terms of a strategic partner for MSB, what uh, what would the ideal partner look like, and uh, at at what level? You know, Holco versus project uh, level would make sense for you. We obviously commencing conversations with all financing parties, including banks, offtake partners, um, you know, equity providers, and, and strategic partners. So we are open to all all structures. I think in, in terms of our, you know, our ideal structuring, we, we'd like to see a strategic partner come in at whole, you know, at, um, operating company level where you know, they would invest at some premium to our current market cap, so less dilutive to current LPI shareholders. We obviously commencing those conversations and I think the potential preferred partner would bring you know, finance and offtake, which we don't have. I think our operating company here, MSB, has you know, strong technical capability. There's obviously the best uh, brine capability in in uh, South America, so we have access to that. So I don't think a, a strategic partner would necessarily need to bring us that sort of operating um, expertise. But certainly, um, you know, a, a large equity check and some some offtake connections would be would be uh, ideal. In terms of, of debt, you know, we're not seeing the commercial banks out of Australia yet, fin you know, financing um, hard rock projects. 
in in Chile, there's a very you know sophisticated uh, banking system, but you know generally sort of uh, less advanced in terms of mining project finance. We have had some conversations, obviously, with the local banks, and they're interested. But you know, in terms of securing a two hundred million dollar you know debt check, I think it's probably going to be a combination of local Chilean banks potentially sort of pre-financing the the uh, the VAT component of our of our capital that gets returned relatively early after first production that seventy million dollar piece, then of course you can tap the ECA markets if um, we you know they're potentially available in conjunction with external EPC providers if we have sort of an Australian Canadian sort of connection with our uh, engineering groups then you know that potentially comes with some ECA finance so you know we're we're investigating all of those um, options and you know I think. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be very successful in attracting that. The Chilean government seems very, very interested in lithium development, and it's not just lithium, but it's just this broader, green, sustainable you know, economy. They also have a sophistication. Ricky, we were talking last night about um, 17 million people in this country. There's 44 million in Argentina. Exports of Chile for a much smaller country are significantly higher than they are in Argentina, and then those exports are copper is number one. I think salmon is number two, and then even wine. People talk about you know Malbec wine as being you know something fantastic, but I was looking at the statistics. I mean, your your exports are like three or four times greater in Chile than than in Argentina. But most more importantly, relevant to that is that there is a mining infrastructure in this country that has been developed over many, many, many years, whereas in Argentina, the exports are primarily, you know, agriculture, you know, it's beef, it's soybeans, it's like the, the, I was surprised at how low mining was as a percentage of economic activity in Argentina. You're closer to the port and just the infrastructure availability here relative to other Argentine projects, and LPI does have an Argentine project. Yeah, look, our project is in the right postcode. I mean, we're in region three of Chile, there are existing um, you know, base metal and, and uh, precious metal projects in the area. You, you fly to Copiapo, you're at an elevation of, you know, less than a thousand meters, and, and within three hours you're up at 4,000 meters because the infrastructure is already exists. We've got great road access, already power, water installed close to site, and, you know, those are the benefits of being in a country that has a long history of mining development. So, you know, we're blessed with, with that infrastructure, and, you know, we will take advantage of it for sure. Um, I think also the, the benefits of being in, in Region 3 compared to you know, Region 2 where the Atacama projects are is that the government is very keen to support the development of a new project in Region 3. It's one of the key projects that they would like to see approved and advanced during this current term of this administration. So we're getting fantastic support, as, as Cristobal has, has previously said. So all in all, the, the benefits of being in Chile is you have you know, infrastructure, you know, mining culture, um, capability, I mean, sort of domain experience, if you like, in, in being able to build projects. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll benefit from all of that. I think the other thing is skills, to be frank. I mean, we talk about a mining country with skills, um, which Argentina has to train. The reality is you've got the Atacama. We have the skills in lithium sitting down the road, and that gives us the opportunity to bring those into our project as well. And, uh, and more than that, you talk about a mining town with all of the equipment, spares, et cetera, et cetera, that you require a couple of hours down the road, whereas uh, not quite sure how you go about doing that in Argentina, unless, of course, you're coming over the border to do that. In Chile, you have 
you have really two salars. One is Atacama, and the other one, it's, it's Marikunga, because those are the only two that have uh, grades over 1,000 ppms. We are not reinventing the wheel here. We don't want to take any kind of risk in terms of our production process. So we are using traditional production processes, uh, uh, using evaporation ponds, and then it goes straight to our production plant. However, we, we do have the opportunity to make things a little bit more efficient. We introduce a mechanical evaporation also in part of our process, which is something very interesting because it's not a new technology. We are just heating and cooling things here, but it letting us, it is letting us to reduce our evaporation ponds uh, times for in about, I don't know, 40% more or less. We have been able to work with GA Meso, the German company, which is probably one of the main suppliers on, on the lithium industry. And this for the last two and a half years, preparing this process. We operated our evaporation ponds uh, pilots for almost a year and a half. And so far, we have been able to produce for the last six months, at, of course, as a, as a, at a lab uh, scale, uh, lithium carbonate with more than 99.4% of purity after the loss of ignition, which at the end of the day is battery grade. GA feels so comfortable also on their design of the production process that they are guaranteeing these results. This is a mining company. And when you have been developing projects, uh, sometimes people take us as things as granted, some things that are not that easy, like, for example, building a transmission line. Building a transmission line of 100 kilometers needs all the permits, all the rights of path for, uh, uh, of the owners of those uh, superficial lands, or building a road, uh, uh, those are things that, even though from an engineering point of view can be easy today, are things that can take a very long time. Okay, So those things are things that we do have already working and operating in Marikunga, and we already received all the authorizations from the government to be able to use that infrastructure. And also, we secured our water supply, you know, months ago, which is something very good, even though this is not a process, lithium production is not a process that uses a lot of fresh water. We have been working with indigenous, the local indigenous communities there in Marikunga for the last three years now. And we have established a very, very strong relationship between the company and them. They are participating on, what's, uh, on what are going to be the future benefits of this project through part of royalty, which is less than 1%, but it's for them, it's, it's, it will be effective for all, through all the mine life uh, of this uh, project. So in, in, in present value, it's more than $20 million, which is going to be probably the major uh, contribution of a private company in Chile for indigenous communities. And probably it's showing the way 
in which the next uh, Chilean projects will need to be developed, which is basically, you know, sharing part of the benefits uh, that are being generated with the local communities on, on, on the uh, areas that the projects are located. There's been a lot of interest lately, you know, with Kidman being taken over by West Farmers, a lot of talk in Australia, like what's next. So uh, exploration companies like Liontown and, and a few others are attracting interest. None of that interest has yet been reflected um, in LPI stock, but uh, you do have a, you're about to be drilling in kind of elephant country next to Wajina and Pilgangora assets. So you just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, thanks, Howard. I think our hard rock lithium development projects are the hidden gem in, in our company. Um, we're in the fortunate position, as you mentioned earlier, that we have you know $17 million in cash, which not only takes the pressure off us in terms of our immediate sort of work programs and the financing for, for the Marikunga, but it's allowed us to step up our activity in, in WA. So we've established a, a, a strong geological team now and a new larger office in, in Perth. And we're advancing our Taba Taba and Streli and Pilgangora projects now this, this year quite actively. So they're 100% owned projects. Taba Taba, we have a 20 kilometer strike of highly prospective greenstone units northwest of FMG's drilling area. So um, we're very excited about that, where we have some strong geochemical anomalies, which you know, provide indicators for, for, for productive LCT, lithium pegmatites. Uh, development program there will include 4,000 meters of drilling that we're starting um, later this month, and we have a 4.3-kilometer zone of you know, um, elevated lithium that we're, that we're targeting for that sort of major drill program. So that's Australian uh, Taba Taba at uh, Pilgangora. We're just immediately west of uh, Altura and Pilbara Minerals mines, and you know, we are pretty excited there that we have some very prospective peg pegmatites that we've um, identified, and we're targeting some continued drilling on, on those um, properties this year. So those two hard rock um, lithium productive areas are, are a key focus for our team in WA this year. Actually, while um, you're on that, I have two questions that came to mind. One was that in the presentation, you see Pilgangora, and okay, that's great. And then also in the presentation, you see something that says green bushes, right? And like green bushes is the highest grade mire in the world. So like, oh, so talk about that a bit um, as well. And I'm curious, as a uh, practiced and experienced person in Australia, the entry, I don't know West Farmers very well, but uh, as a blue chip corporate in uh, Australia, how do you interpret uh, this uh, move into lithium? Our Greenbushes projects are you know, part of the original assets that uh, LPI listed on. So they're you know, very important assets uh, along with the Pilbara projects there. However, our interest was diverted rightly so, to the Marikunga over the last two to three years to, to advance um, that project to where it is today. So we're now in an opportunity to, to refocus on our WA projects. Greenbushes is, yeah, it's in a fantastic address. I mean, it's a little less um, easy access than the, than the Pilbara in terms of competing land uses. So we do have to go through, you know, environmental and forestry clearances in order to sort of access that. But we're very excited about the potential opportunity on the Greenstone um, tenements, which are, as you say, close to the green bushes uh, mines, which is you know, which is why we're in that address. In terms of West Farmers, um, I'm very familiar with that company. I mean, they're a, a major diversified corporate in in Australia, and and you know, I was aware from some sort of you know connections I have through my you know previous um, corporate life of their interest in in the lithium and rare earth 
sectors and you know they've certainly got a, a, an interest in in developing a chemical business south of Perth and and, and clearly their their um, their corporate activity or their attempted corporate activity in terms of rare earths and their their success in securing a you know a, a very interesting um, you know producing asset in WA is 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 a real um, you know vote of confidence in the sector for for a, for a global corporate like West Farmers to, to really be pushing into, into lithium is a, is a real sign that, that they see some massive strength in, in, in not only the, the, the mining but the downstream chemical value add in, in terms of uh, you know, producing cathode and other products um, in, in, in Perth, in WA. So I, I was thinking, cause I, kn again, know very little about West Farmers, but I took the opportunity, they came into the picture, I looked up their you know, annual report, and they seem a very, very Australian kind of company. Like maybe they made acquisitions, they're in New Zealand or they're in UK, but this is like the whole Lithium Valley thematic and, and you know, they exited coal, you know, from a sustainability point of view, but plus they have chemical expertise like in Quinana. So they really, from a, a partnership perspective with SQM, Right, they look very much like they could be equal partners. They're, they're not just going to be like letting SQM kind of run everything there. They're, they're going to have kind of some input, is my opinion. Do you agree with that? I agree, hundred percent. And SQM would be absolutely delighted to have West Farmers as a as a partner. I mean, the balance sheet strength um, really is is huge for them to be able to sort of advance the you know those Kidman assets further than perhaps the the previous owners might have been able to do. Do you think though that this is a kind of Australian company investing in Australia or? They're like we like lithium. You know, maybe we're going to come to Maricunga, right? Or, you know, some have postulated, you know, that maybe they'll you know they'll buy Livent or something like that. As an Australian company, that seems a little far afield to kind of go to emerging market, you know, South America. But I, I don't know them. What, what do you think? Look, I, I doubt that. To be honest, I think they you know their their key focus is to is to be in the sector. They've obviously carefully targeted SQM as a partner. I think that gets them up the learning curve in terms of the technology as a, as a miner and a producer. But, you know, um, yeah, of course, there, there could be future opportunities for those two companies to work in concert um, for, for further activity. But, you know, that's not for me to comment on, really. Okay, thank you very much uh, all here, and we will um, you know, take some good pictures. All of these uh, guests uh, have received their Lithium Ion Rocks t-shirt, uh, and we're now going to take a photo uh, overlooking the, uh, the Andes. In Lithium Ion Rocks, Lithium Ion Bull, and through our respective LinkedIn and Twitter posts, Rodney and I may share with our audience some rationale for a stock for which we have conviction, to own or not to own. If you agree or disagree with and act on or against the rationale of anything said or written in this or any other lithium-ion rocks or lithium-ion bull, that's your free choice. But to be clear, what you are listening to or reading is not investment advice and may not be unbiased. It should not be construed as an investment recommendation to buy or sell any security. Rodney and I are not registered investment advisors nor broker-dealers. Please visit libull.com for further disclaimer.